developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is my dear friend and mentor and colleague, Dr. Deb Sandella. Dr. Deb is truly an amazing person, and I know it. I know it personally, as she helped change my life when I started working with her. It must be at least fifteen years ago. Today, we're going to talk about inner vision, a path to emotional health. But first, let's learn a little bit about Dr. Deb. She's led a very impressive and an adventurous life. Dr. Deb is the author of a number one international bestseller book called Goodbye, Hurt, and Pain, Seven Simple Steps to Health, Love, and Success. She's an award-winning psychotherapist, university professor, and the originator of the groundbreaking RIM, R-I-M, RIM method, which is a heavily backed neuroscience tool proven to reduce stress and improve quality of life. After 20 years as a psychotherapist, Dr. Deb set aside what she thought possible and followed the client's inner experience. She was amazed at the speed of healing when people trust their inherent emotional system to uncover the perfect antidote. Dr. Deb's been featured in the media, including USA Today, um, CBS, and NBC. She frequently shares the stage with Jack Canfield and is co-author of their Awakening Power Meditation Program. And that that uh, meditation program, Awakening Power, is what I use to finally get myself ready for running a marathon in 2009. So I thank you very much for that too, Deb. Um, so let's welcome Dr. Deb to Vision Beyond Sight. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Lynn. It's so nice to be here. Well, it's great having you. And, you know, Dr. Deb, we've known each other, I'm, what is it, 15, 20 years? How long has RIM <laughs> yeah, been at in? Least that. <laughs> at least that. And uh, I met you when you were in the very early stages of RIM. And a quick story how I met you. I had had some significant health problems in 2002, had colon surgery, um, I had a very slow recovery, was allergic to all foods, ended up being part of a study um, that was looking at meditation for chronic illness. And I was part of that study with Dr. Audrey Boxwell, who was featured on the podcast a month or two ago. And I loved the meditations we were using, they made such a difference for me in calming and relaxing and helping my GI. It was a GI study that when we were done with that um, course, I said, I need to get some more to 
more meditations, where do I meet this phenomenal person who, who wrote and recorded these? And sure enough, I looked at uh, Google and found out that you were not only a patient at my office, but my daughter was teaching your daughter dance lessons. <laughs> right. So the whole universe kind of helped support our meeting. And from there, I started working with you personally uh, as you were developing RIM. And I remember I wanted to do more and more. And you kept saying, well, take some courses with me. And I'd take the course and i go, but I'm not going to do RIM. But this is so helpful for me. And then the next level, the course came up. I'm not going to do room and the next level came up until I was finally certified as a trainer as you created your your coursework. And so I thank you for truly the changes in my life. But let's let's talk about RIM. What is RIM? And, you know, how did that come about in your development of that process? Right. Well, honestly, very similarly, it's a personal journey that started back in 1995 when my dad had a cardiac arrest uh, in Kansas, and my brother called and said he was in the hospital, and the nurses wanted us to sign a no-resuscitate agreement because his blood pressure wasn't holding, and they'd given him everything they could. And um, I don't know what happened, but something happened within me that was very out of character, and I said no. And, in fact, I was angry that they had even asked. And as I walked back to bed, uh, knowing I would get up and fly to Kansas the next day, I had this spontaneous image of my dad walking off toward the horizon with his back to me. And there I was yelling and uh, screaming at him how mad I was, that I wasn't ready for him to leave. And then he just paused and turned around, and as he looked at me, it was like my dad was a feisty little Italian, but this was a look on his face I had never seen before. It was just so calm and serene, and he said, oh, okay, babe, I didn't know you felt that way. And it was like, whoa, what do you mean you didn't know I felt that way? Of course I don't want you to leave. But all of a sudden, all the anger drained away. I went to bed, but I held his image in my mind all night. I felt like I couldn't let go of it. It would be letting go of him. And so the next day when I walked into the ICU, the nurse said, well, sometime in the middle of the night, your dad's blood pressure started to hold. And so he went on to survive five more years that were just magnificent years between he and my mom and all of us in our family. It was like having a second chance. It was... It was uh, it was really transformational for all of us in terms of taking a look. But anyway, that was I was just at the time <clears throat> as that I was teaching at the university, I was doing research, but none of that seemed very important compared to this experience of this image that came spontaneously. And so I wanted to know more. I didn't understand it, but it was so powerful. I wanted to figure out how to harness it. Uh, intentionally for healing. And so that was really the beginning of the journey that ended up with RIM. What a beautiful story, Deb. I mean, it touches me. I've heard this before, but I was so entranced in your story um, and experiencing RIM. um, It just brought back so many personal memories for me. Um, After this story, and here you're working still traditionally in nursing um, uh, in patients, what did you do next to really develop this process? Well, I began to experiment, 
really. That was well. I also started to study guided imagery. Uh, so there were things that I began with, some techniques I had learned as a psychotherapist that I used occasionally that really accessed through imagery, access the unconscious. And so I started to play with people I knew uh, in the very beginning until I became so amazed that when I started to trust listening to the spontaneous process, that clients would have, or friends when I was facilitating them would have, that it was like, this is way beyond anything I learned in graduate school. (laughs) And in fact, I had to put aside what I thought was possible and what I thought was impossible because we were breaking through those barriers totally spontaneously. Uh, You know, and it's not rocket science here. It's very simple, organic actually following the emotional operating system. That's what I've learned. And it has blown me away of what's possible within us. And it's like, wow, who knew? Because we were constantly overriding our spontaneous emotional system because we're scared of intense emotion. And so we would override it with thinking and analysis and try and figure it out. And I'm not saying that part of us is bad. Of course, it's always important, and it has its role in REM. But in REM, it's not the leader. It's it's a partner. It's like the administrator that gives words and meaning. But the source of all that is needed to be known is coming from the emotional creative part of the brain, which is actually nonverbal. So that uh, we can't just talk to it regularly like we would, kind of like your computer. You can't say, delete that file, and it all happens. You know, you have to find the right place. You have to hit the right buttons and all of that, which was so frustrating in the beginning when, when computers first came out, you know, to understand how to communicate with a computer, all the steps involved to be able to turn it on and work it. And that's the way RIM is. It's like it gives us the tools to turn on our ability directly to communicate with our emotional operating system and uh, control it. And it's very opposite of what we usually do, which is to think and try and problem solve. And those are all good things. I'm not saying, but in emotion, those things have a place but they don't go deep enough to really uh, get down to the root cause of things because we don't usually know really what that is. And that's one of the things I've also learned through over 20 years of experience with REM is that there can be moments in time that are so innocuous that we absolutely don't remember them. And... uh, you know, and then when they show up, it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. Could you um, take it, you know, very real and give an example of either yourself or a client without a name, of course, um, of course to protect right. their their uh, privacy, but how that would work? Because, you know, coming from a person that, you know, I was always a thinker, fix it, problem solver. Um, right. And that didn't seem to touch some of the emotional, especially after I had major surgery and then my mom had died and I was trying to deal what's next in life, trying to think through it. 
uh, wasn't getting me anywhere. So right. give it a yeah, give an example of how your languaging is so different and how you help people actually touch into that emotional piece. Right. Well, the the way is to actually have the client just spontaneously connect with their um, their body. Actually, we use. Uh, body awareness and body awareness and imagination. And so when we use that language, those are the languages we use. And so imagination or imagery, and it's spontaneous imagery. So it's really not visualization, although um, people refer to it sometimes as that way. But this is what imagination is spontaneously bringing forth from all of its, uh, what it where it pulls from all many different aspects of the brain so that the client is actually having a in-the-moment experience, first of their body and what's happening in their body, and then when in, in a, a source, a moment in time or a relationship or a thought or some kind of experience or belief shows up, then we have 15 skills that help us safely add voice and freedom to move. And these are the things that frequently are stopped in trauma. When we feel traumatized, it's because we feel we lose control, that we don't have the freedom to do what we need to do to stay safe. And so safety goes out the door. So with RIM, we create, and, you know, safety in time, in a timeless way, so that it can be to previous experiences, to relationships that are needing to get fixed, uh, that aren't going very well, to even making decisions about our future that will be emotionally healthy for us, that will really support us. Right. Um, could you give, again, a, an example of... A situation of somebody, yourself, or a client using all these uh, tools that you're now speaking about from body awareness, spontaneous imagery, you know, a situation where there's been either a health issue or, uh, you know, a relationship issue or you know, all the things that people go for counseling or ask for help. Any kind of an right. example. Right, absolutely. So, yes, there was a young woman in her early 30s, very successful professionally, and wanted also, though, to get married and have children. And honestly, uh, you know, dating and all of that hadn't really been very active for her. It wasn't an area she had particularly excelled in. And so she came in, and in this process, what showed up as the source of the issue was back in the fifth grade cafeteria line. And in the fifth grade, you know, all of a sudden this spontaneous image shows up of her in the fifth grade cafeteria line, and she goes, oh, my gosh, I don't remember anything. <laughs> Where's this coming from? And then as she's standing there in the fifth grade cafeteria line as a fifth grader, uh, one of the boys in her class walks up and says, you're ugly. And, you know, we were both fifth-grade girls. We know yes. what that would be like. 
Yeah, and so she was just humiliated, and she was holding back the tears. She just wanted to crawl under a table. So now, though, we have the source. This is the source. So now we get to intervene, and so we guided her to bring in a resource, a virtual resource to be with her, and so her mother spontaneously showed up right there with her to support her so she could actually talk with this fellow classmate. And so she asked him and said, first of all, she said, you know, that really hurt my feelings. Why did you do that? And just being able to say that was a way of not just internalizing the pain, but mm-hmm. of actually standing up for herself, not in a in a mean way, but just a honest, transparent way. So that's the beginning of the healing. And so then as she continued with him and then looked out of his eyes to answer for him, he said, what would you think, Lynn? What would you think he would say, knowing fifth grade? What happens in fifth grade? (laughs) Uh, Something rude, something about um, potty talk, something. Well, it could be all that. It it actually was uh, that I like you. Because boys at that age, that's how they get it. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that, but I remember some boys being so mean to me because they liked me. I never got uh, that experience, I don't think, Deb. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, and so what happened is in the moment when he said, I like you, and she heard it in her, with her fifth grade, uh, vulnerable, uh, psyche, her whole body regenerated a feeling of I'm attractive to boys. And so as she left that experience from that session, uh, I think it was maybe a month or so later, she met someone that she really liked. And by the year following year, they were married. They're now married with children. Wow. And so, yeah, so that's, she never would have known what the cause was, and certainly it was uh, something that was very simple to regenerate in the moment, but it would not have been the same thing, even if she knew it, to talk about it, Uh, because when we talk about something, we haven't opened up the emotional memory. So we know from the neuroscience, to open up the emotional memory, you have to be in the memory. That's what makes it jiggly. Kind of, I, I love the comparison of our smartphones. So you have all those icons on your home page, and you can't really change them or move them or delete them until you get them to be jiggly. And once right. you get them to be, uh, yes, go ahead. No, that's correct. It's a wonderful analogy that you need yeah. movement. You need motion. Yeah. Right, exactly. And then you have to relock it. And so we have skills to relock the new memory that is empowering. Yeah. You know, Deb, uh, I remember when you first started doing this work, how I felt like this is so weird. I don't understand (laughs) it. I can't figure it out. I can't think through it. And it's so interesting as you're, you know, starting like at the beginning and so our listeners can understand it. I immediately go into a deeper place of my brain of processing, now knowing the process. And it's so different trying to talk about it in a kind of a linear, structural um, manner versus the experience of it. Um, right. And I hope after our break, uh, 
we might be able to do a rim light or a little experience because that's when you you really get it is when mm-hmm. you have that experience something shows up because trying to understand it um, through a thinking process uh, it, it doesn't work because it's not right. about thought <laughs> which is so so very interesting you know one of the ways and uh, if we have a chance you know I want to talk a little bit about what we've created uh, the word rim lights. Uh, and how people could use that, because I know with little kids in my practice, uh, we do a, a little session of just body awareness and breathing and what shows up. And that's sometimes all we have time to do, or they're so young, you know, going deeper, this isn't there. But the impact that it can have on on fear, on anxiety, and taking the next step uh, is just amazing. So uh, we're going to talk about that more after our break. Um, and we'll be right back. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this. child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. 
everybody. It's Dr. Lynn, and we have with us Dr. Deb Sandella, who has created the process called RIM, and we've been talking about it's so different than your classical therapies, um, psychotherapy and, and other kinds of therapies, because I've, I've tried lots of different type of counseling and therapies, and, and logically a lot of things made sense. But as I was telling her, you know, hearing her explain RIM in terms to think about really doesn't do it justice. And what I've had so much experience with Dr. Deb, just her voice and her her meditative style puts me right into another part of my processing brain <laughs> that it, it's very hard to surrender my logic, as she says, and to really move into the experience because I move into the experience just almost with hearing her voice and, and um, some of the imagery that goes along with it. So I thought it'd be great if we could have Dr. Deb give us a short experience of how we start a RIM session and, um, and then we could discuss that after that. So go ahead. Dr. Deb? Sure, sure. Yeah, so we'll, and I'll be doing this along with you. So just first of all, as you're ready, you can just let your eyes gently close or, or look down. And as your attention turns inward and you let go of the external world, begin to focus on your breathing. And just notice your breath going to an inhale to the count of one, two, three, four. Hold your breath. Four, three, two, one. Exhale. One, two, three, four. Hold your breath. Four, three, two, one. And then just taking a big, deep inhale in your own time and pace. As you exhale all the way to emptiness, go ahead and let your attention drop down into your belly, somewhere behind your navel and in front of the small of your back. And as you do, you'll just be able to see your whole body. And as you sense your whole body from the inside and around the outside, and whatever noises you might hear in your background, they just take you deeper into this process of yourself. And as you do, just notice what's calling your attention the most right now. Where in or around your body is your attention being called? And it may be to an actual uh, part of your body either on the inside or on the outside of it. And it may uh, be a pain or a discomfort, and that's fine too. Whatever it is, there's no good or bad, there's no right or wrong. There's only what shows up for you as you're connecting with this part of your body that is communicating something. And so as you notice where your attention is drawn, Go ahead and begin to zoom in that to that area. And as you do, your imagination is going to begin to give it physical form so that it ha- begins to develop size, shape, and color. 
And it may just be a blob with color and texture and temperature and, you know, all of that. Or it may become a very specific image. Whatever shows up, receive it, letting go of any desire to edit. Because we're just receiving whatever spontaneously is there and coming. So you can't do it wrong. Whatever shows up is right for you in this moment. And as you sense it, even if it's something totally different than what I've described, receive it. And as you receive it, go ahead and imagine moving into that that has shown up, whatever it is. Just imagine moving your intention, attention over into it and looking out of it back at you. And so just notice how your attention can move around, how it can look from other perspectives. And so again, this is all through imagination. As you imagine being this, whether it's a blob or whether it's an image, you'll sense it from the inside of what the thoughts, the feelings, the words, the energy that is here that wants to be known. And as you do, just in your own mind, Go ahead and speak for what has shown up. What I am here representing, what I'm symbolizing it. And as I express that to you, the part that is important for you to hear right now is And as you're, as I'm being able to share this with you, how it feels for me to share it with you is because, and then bringing your attention back into yourself, sense receiving all that this energy, whether it was a blob or an image, has expressed like a stream of colored energy flowing from it into your body. Noticing the color and the quality where it's entering. And just take a moment to fully receive it. And as you receive it, notice how it feels in your body to have this colored energy flow into the center of your spine and out through whatever aspects of your physical body it's wanting to uh, touch. And when it feels like it's completely received, your imagination will bring one word of what you're feeling now. It'll just pop in, just like that. Whatever it is, just receive it and feel it just as much as possible. Just allowing it fully. Even if your mind has resistance, just allow it as best as you can. 
And then one more time, we're going to return to your heart, uh, where another feeling word is going to pop in, just like that, of what you're feeling now, because our feelings change moment to moment to moment. So the new feeling now is, And again, receiving it fully. You'll just notice as you fully receive a feeling, it automatically starts to dissolve. So there's space for the new feeling to show up. And so one final time, we'll dip in to our heart where a new feeling word pops in. And receive it. And just give yourself over to it with abandon. Feel it fully as possible. And as that is received, you'll just become aware of your whole body again. With your feet on the floor, wherever they are, and your body sitting or lying, and the room around you. And you also hear my and Dr. Lynn's voice. And as you're aware of all of that, your eyes will just spontaneously open. As you bring back whatever was shared. So thank you, Dr. Lynn. What'd you, oh. what, how was that for you? <laughs> well, Dr. Dab, first of all, you know how much I love this stuff. And... You know, I, I was balancing with the resistance of trying to stay present because I'm supposed <laughs> to be hosting this podcast and allowing myself to really uh, enjoy the the quick rim session. And it was wonderful because, you know, it ended up that uh, the feelings in my heart became exuberant and mm. let that go. And then humor came in and laughing at myself of how silly I am you know, trying to judge myself in, <laughs> right. in this podcast. And so it was wonderful for me. And I hope um, our listeners, uh, you know, take a few moments and jot down a few notes uh, of just what showed up. And especially listen to the podcast again after you first experience. And then listen it for the languaging that Dr. Deb uses, the words allowing, receiving, feeling, not a right or wrong, just the permission that she gives in her work to just be with what's there, to experience, to feel, you know, multi-sensory kinds of ways of experience, your whole body, mind, spirit. Um, so uh, thank you for that. <laughs> that oh, was absolutely. My pleasure. And, <laughs> and I think what that does is ties together what you spoke about in the first part of the podcast of trying to explain the neuroscience and you know put science behind it when you just can't measure it necessarily directly by blood pressure or directly by you know our technology because we're talking about the emotions and feelings uh, right right although they have actually like right now we're engaged in some research with the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center uh, of having EEG data during a room session uh, be recorded 
and uh, and it's been fascinating. We're we're not at a place to really, I would say, to to make any uh, statements about results yet. Uh, but it is it's so fun to play with um, with the science of it of what is really happening, so that we're really moving in the direction of being able to have science really connected directly to how all of this worked. That's exciting. We've talked about that for all these years of trying to put some science and um, I'd be fascinated by the EEG and even more fascinated by like an fMRI. Right. Uh, Well, that's the plan is that we will be doing some of those. Uh, So we're going to have greater volume of the EEG uh, folks, but we'll be doing some, a small sample of MRIs. That is so exciting. And you know I'm always with you and want to help however I can in that. Um, oh, you, great. Thank you. Yes, certainly. Can you uh, share a little bit? I know that you did a program with uh, some schools regarding kids and the trauma, especially, you know, with the pandemic and the anxiety. And uh, can you explain a little bit about that program you've had and, and where that program's at? Yes, yes. It's been really exciting because I felt really, as a grandmother and, you know, mother and grandmother, I felt really strongly called to try and somehow contribute in some way with what has been going on in um, this disruption of schools with school shootings and then the pandemic and, uh, you know, and short funds and all of that. And so we have been training school staff, and sometimes it's the counselors, sometimes it's the teachers, sometimes it's the behavioral, the behavior, they call it behaviorist or interventionist in schools. And it's been just so effective because what is ha- what happens is everybody's been traumatized a bit, including yes. the teachers, so that with doing this, they gained the benefit to actually diffuse all that trauma. And then then their resourcefulness is back on track so that um, when a student expresses emotion, acts out emotion in an inappropriate way, they're not afraid of it anymore. It's like now they can use their common sense classroom abilities to be able to intervene. And it's amazing. So that they, before they had become very ineffective because they were afraid of mental health, which I have to say, and I, I hope you don't mind, this is my, my box to stand on, is it's really not a mental health problem that we're calling everything mental health. If you have a feeling, it means you have mental health issues. That's and that's right. just really incorrect. So mental health means serious mental illness. We don't have, not everybody has mental illness. We do have stressors. We do have emotional issues. So emotional health is, comes with the nature of being a human being. Everybody has emotional health and must learn how to process their feelings in a way that helps them have emotional well-being. And so, um, so that's really what RIM does. And that's what we've been doing with the, the students. We've been teaching their staff how to work with the students to diffuse uh, the feelings in the moment when they show up. So it was like just yesterday, what was it, we were, we were having a little 
Zoom conference with some of the teachers. Was, and one who's in fifth grade, a fifth grade teacher, was talking about the student that has been coming in, I think just is new to the school, so it hasn't been a long, long time. But every day he is all, always so sad and just kind of passive and not not really interacting. And yesterday something happened where he was feeling very, very sad, and so she just took the opportunity to do a quick little, really a very quick little um, experience, just like I just guided us through only with kids, we just it's much simpler, and you're following them with whatever's showing up. But he saw these little blue, um, what was it, pricklies all over his body, and which was the sadness. And so in moving in to all of those little pricklies, he was able to see that he needed to, he, you know, it was like we asked for who, <clears throat> who he needed to speak to. His dog showed up. And it was like he talked with his dog and said he loved his dog and they played and there was this connection. And so there's this sense that he was so disconnected, like not feeling connected with anyone, whether at home or at school. And that in this, the icicles, I started to picture them as icicles, melted. They melted and he was less sad as he connected with his dog. And then afterwards, she saw this notable change in him where he became bright and interactive in the classroom. So this is the kind of thing that we can teach our children and our students in the schools just how to process emotion in the moment immediately in a natural, organic way. It's not clinical to be able to feel better. So what we're really doing is we're accelerating the natural processing of emotion so that it dissolves and new emotion has the opportunity and the space to keep evolving and showing up so that we keep moving forward. We keep unfolding. We keep unraveling whatever's there in the moment. So it becomes a way of life uh, that is emotionally healthy. That is such a beautiful example, uh, Dr. Deb, and I'm sorry to say we're going to need to close on that just because of time, but I want to make sure people know this type of work is so powerful, and it can be just several minutes of breathing, body awareness, bringing in you know, some type of guide as well as safety, and, and then work from there, and I've had phenomenal success with anywhere from little five, six-year-olds uh, up to adults. I thank you so much, Deb. Uh, we could talk forever. You know that. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I want to make sure our listeners uh, buy your book. It's so great. Uh, Goodbye, Hurt and Pain, as well as you have many courses available. All of that's going to be on our show notes uh, that they uh, can contact you. And And I wish you the best. And thank you, thank you, thank you for all the wonderful work you do for people. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Lynn. I, you know, I love you. So, love you too. Yes. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.